Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Intercepted by Eric Warfield. Eric Warfield, a seventh round pick from Nebraska. Run 40 yard dashes. Marcus Dash. 40 yard dash. Marcus Dash. 40. Marcus Dash. Marcus Dash. 40 yard dash. Marcus Dash. You run the 40. Marcus Dash. Welcome to Running the 40. I'm your host, Marcus Dash. Today in this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing former Kansas City Chiefs cornerback Eric Warfield. He was a seventh-round pick out of Nebraska, carved out a, a nice career for himself with 20 interceptions, three being returned for touchdowns, and having the most pass deflections in franchise history. We discuss all things Chiefs and COVID and his love for boxing, as well as giving us a glimpse into what Dick Vermeil and Bill Belichick's training camps looked like. Take a listen. With Eric Warfield right now, one of my, uh, as, as, a, as a kid, I was a huge fan, I actually Went out and got a Air Warfield uh, customized jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan. Really happy that you can sit down and uh, talk to us about all things NFL and uh, all the stuff that's going on right now in this current COVID climate. Excited about it, man. It's the uh, first time doing your show, and we've uh, had some communication back and forth on Twitter. So it's good to actually catch you in person or actually in a Zoom uh, put a face to a keyboard. Yeah, and it's one of those things like in this, in this uh, modern day of social media, you never thought when I was a kid, when I was talking how, you know, when I was a kid watching you, I never thought that I'd be doing a Zoom call with Eric Warfield. So it's, this is social media, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the start of it. I'm pretty sure you're going to have some bigger, better athletes to come aboard uh, to join this show. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing um, with what technology and how uh, evolution has made us more in tune with the game. Like you feel like you're actually a part of the game with so much of, so much of the stuff that we have available um, uh, with technology and stuff, so. Yeah, uh, it's, it's cool. So I, I can't wait to start breaking down stuff with you. It's, as a Chiefs fan, uh, as a former Chiefs player, it's been a crazy year. I mean, obviously 2020 has been a crazy year in itself for other reasons, but when we're talking just football, it's, it's been a wild year for the Chiefs, I mean, when you saw, I mean, obviously, you, you were at the parade. What was your thoughts when you saw them come back and then seeing Andy Reid and Mahomes hoist up the Super Bowl trophy? So my, my thoughts during um, the parade, it was, it was, I was so filled with joy to be able to experience that moment with those guys. You know, I feel like I was a part of it um, for all that they've done, uh, for the guys who never had the chance to hoist that trophy and for those up-and-coming uh, young kids that might have the opportunity. So I was just caught up in the moment and trying to celebrate, uh, you know, that, that first one that we got in. And it was, I think the high was 17 degrees and I was out there in like a little sweatshirt, but I was so caught up and fulfilled with joy and happiness uh, to the points where it didn't, I didn't, I wasn't too bothered by the cold, um, but, but happiness, it, it's, it's a, it's a moment to, that you cherish for the rest of your life. I wish, that we could have been a part of that uh, during my time there with, with, uh, with the Chiefs that we could have done so, uh, but I was unfortunate. I was at the parade as well. I, I, flew, from, I flew from D.C. To, to go to Kansas City for the parade. And just seeing the amount of former players that were there, was it kind of like a reunion? Was it like a Chiefs reunion for you? It was. Um, the, um, a lot of the former players uh, were considered the ones that keep in touch. 
So if you don't make the effort to keep in touch with the organization, they're not going to continue to reach out to you to provide whatever uh, benefits that they can provide you with. And so for the guys that do try to stay in touch and uh, stay on board, uh, they reach out to us in emails and, and invite us out for most of the, the stuff that's, that's available. So I was very glad to have gotten the emails to, to come out and uh, to be a part of it. Yeah, it, it was an atmosphere like as a fan, you never you never get that that pinnacle point where you think, oh, we're gonna we're gonna win this thing. And it's going there and the culmination of years of you know our 03 team that, that was a team that we know that we all thought was gonna go it, it was Super Bowl. You know, and, and looking back at that coming to going to that parade and seeing that, you know, this is it. This is waiting for it. It was it was, it was it, I get goosebumps talking about. It, <laughs> <laughs> it does, uh, and it, it was one thing that I had always hoped and prayed for. Um, just for being in that city for, for the tenure that I was there, um, the Royals weren't very good when I was there. Um, and to have seen those guys do what they did before the Chiefs did it, I was, I was so ecstatic about them winning and so excited about them uh, being able to hoist the trophy for the, for the Royals and for the city. Uh, to where I just knew the Chiefs had to, we, we, were, we weren't too far behind. And, and you know, just a few years later, you know, we're, we're right there celebrating and uh, doing our own parade uh, there in the city. Yeah. Actually, I remember when the Royals won, I was like, oh, the Sea of Blue. And I was like, just wait. Just wait until we see the Sea of Red. Fast forward from the Super Bowl with Mahomes' contract and then Chris Jones' contract. Now, we talk about Mahomes, the half a billion dollar man now. Do you think when we go back in time, we're going to look three or four years, we're going to see the Chiefs got a bargain? Or do you think we're going to see his team come back and say, let's rework this because we are seeing all these other quarterbacks who are getting similar money to Mahomes? What, 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 do you, what do you think about that deal and then just kind of about that aspect of it? So somebody's always going to have to stand out to set the standard. Uh, and it just so happens to be that quarterbacks are the top tier of our, of our profession. Um, and is he deserving of every penny that he's getting? I think so. For the age that he is from the time that he stepped onto the field, yes. He's owed everything and probably then some. Uh, now, for these other up-and-coming guys that are going to get similar contracts, based on the way that the NFL and rules are, are, and contracts are, are, are based on, they're going to have to get something similar. Now, do they – I mean, are they owed that? I mean, like, should they get it for what they haven't done? I don't think so. But just because of how the pay rate – pay grade is uh, they're going to have that, that, that kind of a contract. Uh, it's just like with basketball, you know, you, they can max out contracts, super, what is super max contracts with basketball yeah. uh, for guys that aren't really super max players, but they're getting that kind of contract. So, but for, for Mahomes, I, I think he's worth every penny, whether you look back on it years from now, or, or we look at it now and say, oh, we gave him too much and we can't fix what, you know, uh, plug these little holes that we have or that we need because we don't have the money and we gave it all to him. I, I, I'm totally on board with what we gave him. Yeah, I agree. And you see things like uh, how Dak Prescott and his team didn't make, they didn't work out a deal right before the deadline. Um, and so now everyone's saying he might be coming out and asking for this kind of money. So like you said, there, there needs to be that first person to make that big move. And then it's kind of going to, everyone's going to come equalize. And then the same thing's going to happen again in a few years. So, yeah. I mean, so it's almost kind of smart that Dak waited until he got the contract until Patrick got his just to see what, uh, what the pay was going to be as to what he could ask for. 
<laughs> but Dak is not in the class of Patrick Mahomes. Not even close. I mean, he's a hell of a quarterback, and he's doing a great thing here for Dallas. Um, but for him to, to get that kind of money, no, I, I, I would not do it. I don't think any NFL teams would do it either. Yeah, that was something I was talking about because people were saying, oh, well, look at Brady, what Brady did for the Patriots. You know, he, he would never he, he would never break the bank, right? And that would always allow for other, for other guys to get paid on the team. But we're also talking about a seventh-round quarterback who has a lower – kind of a lower bar to me. You know, he's seventh round, so they can offer him something, which is a lot more than what he got initially. Mahomes is a first round already, so he's already at that, that threshold. So, I mean, he's going to have to break the bank. You know, it's just, it's just kind of a, a lower threshold for Brady versus Mahomes. Yes. Now, to me, the Brady situation is a little different um, just because of how you said he came into a seventh rounder. He's already making pretty good money. He's up there with the top quarterbacks as far as pay rate, pay grade. And to, to see what his team is doing year in, year out, uh, into the playoffs, winning Super Bowls, um, he's able to himself go in and to – initiate the contract, the contracts with, Hey, I can take this amount, but I need this amount up front. So it doesn't look like Tom Brady's getting paid a lot when he's actually, you know, he's still in the top five. I think he has been since, uh, since his first Super Bowl. I think he's been a top five, top five paid uh, quarterback. So he's up there in the money wise. It just doesn't look like it because it's always, Oh, he's taking a pay cut here, but he's always going to take a lump sum Right, right there also. And I think 2010, he was the one who actually had that that record-breaking deal. And now we're talking in 2020, we're talking about Mahomes being the record-breaking deal. So it's like it's what you said. It's, there's always going to be that guy who's going to have that record-breaking contract because it starts with one. Let's, uh, let's get to the other side of the ball. Obviously, this is where you made your bread here. I, I was looking at the numbers. So you're number two overall in Kansas City Chiefs history in pass deflections. Number two overall. I saw that and I was I was like, heck no, it's no way possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a brand of flowers and, and then you and then your top top sixteen overall interceptions. As a, you were a seventh round pick, for those who may not know that you were a seventh round pick, and you know, to be to, to say you're number two all time on the Kansas City Chiefs and for in, in pass deflections, come from a seventh round pick. Kind of talk about the hunger as a seventh round pick and the motivation you get when you're going to camp as a seventh round pick, you know? Man, I tell you what, I was 100% blessed to have had the opportunity to play for as long as I did to uh, make the plays that I played, uh, that I made. Um, I have never covered a guy one-on-one my entire life until I got to Kansas City. And I was a safety in high school, little league. I was a safe, um, a wide receiver in high school. So as far as doing the one-on-one stuff, I, I, I knew nothing about it except for what my corners had to do when I was playing safety. Um, but when that call came in from Marty in the seventh round, I was excited uh, and a bit confused. I, I, as I told everybody else in the, this story, I thought my NFL career basically started and ended that day because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I could play corner. And uh, going into my second year was when I was kind of thrown into the, to the fire. Um, I just did whatever I could to, to try to make sure I was on the team. Um, and fortunately it worked out. Now there was a lot of bad that came with it, but I know there was a lot of good that came with it also. Um, but for me mentally having to tune into that, um, it was a struggle. Like, uh, 
I'm one of those that I love to watch ESPN. I love to, to read the paper and to hear about what we're doing and what we're not doing. And our defenses weren't good when I was at Kansas City. Um, and I was getting praise all up until I got the, the, the nice contract. And so when the nice contract, it was like everything's on Warfield's shoulders. Like he can't mess up. Anything he does is, is, is criticized. So, and then mentally I, I couldn't, it was hard for me to grasp. And, but like I said, I, I was just fortunate enough and, and blessed to, to have had such a career um, to have put, had any kind of numbers. Like I said, to not, been, to not have a, ever played that position to cover a guy one-on-one -on -one and to, you know, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Marvin Harrison, Tim Brown, Jerry Rice. Like I went up against some, some, some major guys. So, and, and I think I did well. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, you're, you're one of my favorite Chiefs of all time. I had to get the jersey of you. So, I mean, you know, it, and when I, when I saw that, you were a seventh-round pick because at the time when I was a kid, I, I didn't look at, oh, what round was you drafted? And I knew it went to Nebraska, but I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what they extended it, right? So when I saw a seventh-round pick, I was doing more research on you. I was like, holy, seventh round? I mean, and that, that kind of brings me to uh, my next question. There's a guy that we drafted uh, this year. We trade back into the seventh round. Tucarius Bo Pete Keys from Tulane. Mm -hmm. Everyone's excited and ecstatic about him. Seventh round pick. I mean, the, the way everyone was talking about him was like, oh, he, he was like a top four round guy. We're drafted in the seventh round. What have you seen from his tape that you think he could actually make the roster A and then also actually like compete for some playing time on, on the team? Well, he's an athlete. I mean, he, he's, he's great at basketball. I know I, I read that he was a pretty good basketball player. And I know he's got a fire uh, unlike any other um, – I also read the story of him losing his mom and losing his grandmother. So there's that deep hunger right there the, to, to be successful in that fight uh, to, 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 to get through uh, all the adversity that he's gone through. Um, and especially being a seventh round pick, when you think that you're supposed to go higher in the draft, that makes it even better uh, to, to, to fight harder for what you, what you thought that you were supposed to be at. And uh, athletically, I, I've, I've seen it in him. Uh, but that's got to turn over to the NFL. And, and so far, I, I, with the right, I think we got the great coaching staff and we, we signed the biggest product that we needed on defense, which is Chris Jones. It, it'll make his job a lot easier. So, and then having uh, Tyron Matthew out there, um, he should be able to blend in with this defense. I mean, if, if given the right opportunity, uh, I think he'll be a great fit. This is one thing I, uh, that I want to talk about is Chiefs Twitter every offseason, they, they, you know, as you know, they overreact and sometimes they, they get upset about things. And one of the, th one of the, the biggest stuff that I saw on Twitter this, this, this offseason was we're not investing a lot in our cornerback. It's another year of us not investing a lot in cornerbacks. Yeah, we re-signed Bashad Breeland, uh, but we saw Charvarius Ward come on um, uh, this year. And, I mean – just to talk, he was an undrafted guy. We trade, we got him from Dallas, and now we're seeing uh, Bo Pete Keys. Where we can, what do you see about this crew, about the secondary that we have, and then also about our coaching that we can get the best of these players, like a Charvarius Ward, who's now our number two corner. And I mean, he he was he, he looked good this, this past year. So I, I was I was pleased with what we did last year. I, I, the season started out slow defensively, and I, I know that as a spectator and a fan. Uh, and reading the, the Twitters and the blogs, whatever else, uh, it was always a talk of can our offense put up enough points to win throughout this season, and, and do we have it enough to go in and um, to, to win it against San Francisco? And so it was no talk about the defense and what we could do on that side. Any talk with the Chiefs 
since Patrick Mahomes has been there has been 100% offense. Now, the, the, we do get some praise on defense about big plays and, um, you know, who has done this and who hasn't done that. But any kind of talk that goes on football-wise, Kansas City is, is mainly about the, the offense. And so it's good to see that, you know, our defense stepped up when we needed them midway through the season when Tyron Matthew kind of picked it up and, and, and started playing at the Pro Bowl level that he was accustomed to. Um, Chris Jones, tremendous. Um, Clark uh, stepping in when, when, when we lost four was a, a tremendous pickup also. I, and it, it gives the secondary the opportunity to go out and play honestly instead of trying to go out and force things. So you don't have to, you know, try to make the big play uh, if it's not there for you. Uh, just, just do your job, uh, make the tackle. If you make the play, make the play. And that's what these guys have done. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, uh, since, since Mahomes has got there, even before uh, when Alex Smith was there, it was, it was generally a, um, our, our pass rush was kind of, was the, was the big thing. We had Peters, who was a ball hawk, but it was our pass rush that was kind of the, the big uh, driver and uh, like the, the defensive talk. It was never a special, it was never a secondary, just mostly about Peters's ball hawking abilities. That was pretty much it. Well, we had Eric Berry, who's a tremendous player for us. So True. those two guys, True. they worked very well together. Um, and, and, and losing I, I, losing Eric Berry, it, I thought he would have enough to come back. Um, but he was replaced by a, a greater, I won't say a greater, but a, a pretty good young talent in, in, in Matthew. Um, Eric Berry is a Hall of, Hall of Famer to me. Guy's a tremendous uh, player with, with – with, a heart that is compared to none other. So, are you saying Chiefs Hall of Fame or, or, or talking gold, gold jacket status? I'm Chiefs Hall of Fame. Okay, okay. Uh, it's kind of hit or miss with the the NFL Hall of Fame, but I, I know he was a uh, he, he he was a tremendous player throughout his career. Yeah, and and I, I was reading the other day that, that he is trying to come back. He took the year off last year to try to come back, and that's that that, that that's what I was reading recently. So I mean, I, I do hope he I do hope he comes back in, in whatever capacity he can. I mean, like you said, he, he was he was a he was a great player. So I hope he does come back. I mean, there's I mean, you, I saw what Charles Woodson did with his career. That he went from <laughs> playing corner to safety. So that safety position, you can extend your career a little longer. So uh, I think he may have a few more years left in him. Um, if, if he's in the, in, in the right health, because I know ment he's always mentally, mentally prepared uh, for any game. And so if he's healthy physically, uh, I think he has what it takes to get back on the field. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope he does come back. So we're going to kind of go into a football in the, the world of coronavirus. So first question, do you think there will be a full season? That I don't know. I know there will be a season. I know it will, we will test the waters to see how things work out, um, to see um, how many are affected, if any, uh, day by day, week by week. And uh, based on, I don't, I don't say the valuable uh, or the, the importance of the player. So like if, if, if somebody's a no-namer, is gonna get it and he's in the hospital, um, I won't call anybody a no-name that's played in the NFL because you're obviously an elite athlete, but you know, I guess you get what I'm saying, like the bigger-name guys. So if one of those guys was a contract, uh, was forced to get it, I think it would, it would cause some uh, hesitation or, or some, at least some thoughts to, to, to at least put it on hold and maybe go quarantine again. But I don't know. 
I do know that there will be a season. Um, right now, from what I've heard, they're getting rid of the preseason, which is bad for um, the veterans and the rookies all together. You know, those preseason games are basically a warm-up um, for us to get ready for the season as veterans, as rookies and first-year guys. Um, that's your opportunity to make your, you know, your name to, to get yourself on the team. Well, they're not getting that opportunity. And so they have to do whatever they can right now during these camps uh, to solidify a spot. So that's, that's kind of tough, um, tough situation to be in. It's interesting that you say that about preseason. For the last like five, five, six years, all, all these players always talk about, let's get rid of preseason, get rid of preseason, or lower it to at least two games. Now we're getting rid of preseason. And you say that's a, for the veterans, it's a warm-up. But, I mean, do, do you see the argument where, where some players are happy that uh, preseason's gone? I mean. I can see that. But, Marcus, I think that there could be arguments. So, say, for instance, we did get rid of preseason, and you just start the season right away, and you have all these injuries that, to come about. And then you're going to blame it on, oh, we didn't have the preseason games to get ourselves in, in, into the, this, this full season shape. Um, so that's, that's the complaint that I see that's coming from it. And, I, again, with the, the younger guys that are having to try to make, make a name for themselves to try to get on the team. So, Yeah, I, I was going to ask you. So as a seventh-round pick, uh, training camp preseason was, was huge for you. Would you be able to say now, if, if this season was happening back in 98 – would you say, would you have not made the Chiefs team if there was no preseason? I mean, I know, I know, I know it's hard to look at it like that, but. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> um, I don't even know. You know what? I, I don't know if I would have because I think uh, it was the first couple of preseason games that I played in was where I kind of made a name for myself. I was kind of, I, I don't remember the team, but um, I had a hard hit on a guy. And, and it, it was the write-up in the paper. He's a big hidden corner, like play safety. He can do this, he can do that. Uh, he's got time playing behind Hasty Carter, and McMillan. Um, but right now, I wouldn't have that because I wouldn't have had that opportunity and I wouldn't have that time to, to make that name for myself. So, yeah, it, 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 I can look back on it right now and say, yeah, I probably wouldn't have been there. That's crazy. I mean, and that right there shows the importance of it. We're talking about the, the undrafted guys, the guys six, seventh round, seventh rounders, and some veterans who've been who've gone team from team, and this is kind of their last chance. It's the preseason to make a name for themselves. So yeah. it is. I mean, that is one of those things where it's like how you said, if a if a no name player gets COVID during the season, they're gonna say quarantine. They're not gonna cancel the games. But with the, with the big players, that that's that, that's what it comes to. It's you know they don't want preseason. Okay. No preseason. But exactly. They're going to get paid either way. It's the guys who are sixth round, seventh round guys who are undrafted too. So, so talk to me about – this is also another argument that I, I've read that a lot of these players, you know, they won't have preseason, they're rookies, but they did have more classroom like uh, kind of chalk talk than they've been uh, probably a player's ever had with Zoom sessions. I know a lot of teams have been doing Zoom or Skype sessions. How different is that than actually going on the field and actually experiencing – you know, just kind of talk about the difference between actually getting on the field, putting the pads on, and doing classroom work. So I came in um, with Marty. Marty is 100% old school. You're gonna do, you're gonna go full pads in two days for a couple of weeks, and then you're gonna kind of slowly come out of the pads. Uh, when we got to Coach Vermeil, they kind of calmed that down, so we didn't have two days. You couldn't do double pads. So you had to have shells on one pad, and then you can do uh, pads 
um, in the other uh, practice. So now it's like they even have it to where you don't even go full pads. You just wear shoulder pads and a helmet. So uh, they're trying to minimize the, the contact due to, to uh, the longevity of uh, players' careers um, and, and some of the injuries. Um, so I see the benefits of the meetings and not so much physical activity out on the field. Um, and especially with how kids are nowadays, like they're in sports year round so that the bodies don't get a chance to rest. And so they're kind of burning out. Some kids are burning out before college because um, their parents have run them through so much. But um, I mean, I can see the benefits of some of it, but for me, myself, uh, it's not something I'm accustomed to, I'm used to. Um, so I can't say that I would have been better off. My career would have been better off. Uh, I would have made more plays. I, I, I would have learned a lot more. I don't know that. I'm one of those that has to be thrown into the fire. I like practice. Uh, I like seeing it in full action to see what, how, it, how, it react, how it works out when I'm running my defense, when I'm doing my part. Um, so the, the virtual stuff, I, I completely understand it safety-wise. Um, and to get the material in when you, if you don't have that access to uh, meetings, uh, especially full meetings. Um, so I, I understand it, but for me, myself, it, it, it seems difficult because I, I do like the action and, and, and the, the moment of being at practice. I like the contact. I like the running around. I like the camaraderie. I like the smell of nature out there. Um, I like it all. And so that's what I want to be a part of. But again, I, I completely understand it. And how how real like say we take away preseason games? Let's say for example, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's not going to get the preseason. So his first four weeks of the regular season, that's his preseason, right? So he's yeah. the game altogether. How real is that when they say speed of the game in the NFL is much different than college? Oh, Can you kind man, of talk about that? It's, it's crazy. So when you get there, you're going to see guys that are 300 pounds running right beside you, <laughs> and you, you want and you're going to wonder like where the heck did he come from? But yeah. It's, it's crazy how the speed of the game changes that much. And you wouldn't think it does from college to the NFL. But, um, I mean, at every level, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change for you. Because you go from peewee league to uh, junior, whatever league, and to get to high school, and you're some this standout athlete. And you're used to being, like, the best out on the field. And all of a sudden, you get to college. Now, everybody's like you. Um, and at some point, you start to – figure it out and you understand, you develop your body more, you develop mentally more. Um, and if you pull out of that pack, the NFL notices your potential and you make that to that elite group, uh, you find out again, uh, you have more improving to go. So, and, and the, the hits are harder. The, the speed is unimaginable. Uh, the quickness is, is in the blink of an eye. Um, but the joy that comes with it all, when you see that you're a part of it, and that you've actually made it there is, 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 is unfathomable. Did you play fantasy football or no? I didn't. I'm yep. not a fan of fantasy football, man. I'm, I'm one of those that I can't sit there and pick a team, but if this guy that's on my team is playing against my Chiefs, I got to root for him. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to be loyal to my, <laughs> to my home. Mm. So I've never played, I've never played fantasy.
uh, that, that's the one thing I struggle with is when I do, it's like, well, let, let's say I had Amari Cooper a couple of years ago when he was, oh, he was on the Raiders and uh, playing the Chiefs. I'm like, all right, like, okay, Cooper gets eight catches, 70 yards, and maybe a touchdown, I'm fine with that. Six catches, a 30 yards touchdown, I'm fine with that. But at the end of the day, I'm still rooting for the Chiefs. It's one of those things that's the toughest part about fantasy. Yeah. I have friends who don't care about that. Like, they're not that big of NFL fans. They care about fantasy. It's fantasy over the NFL fans. You see the differences in, in, in that when, you, when you're watching games with people. Like, the, the fantasy It's fans, humongous, though. Fantasy football is big, and, and that's why they implemented – it with the NFL, so I guess it's, it's legal now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's in casinos and everywhere. And to me, I just couldn't be a part of it because I'm loyal to to the team that 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 that, that made gave me my, my identity. So um, I can't sit there and root for somebody that's playing against them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I want to get back to kind of talking about the the kind of the, the old days and for Meals training camp. I always read that his training camps were pretty rough, very old school. Now you also played with Coach Belichick. Do you have any stories or memories of Coach Belichick or Coach Vermeil? Okay, so Coach Vermeil, we didn't have a um, what do you call that? Uh, I can't think of the name of it. But we didn't have a a, a, a test before going into training camp. So they had a uh, with the with the Patriots, you had to survive a uh, uh, three hundred shuttle. You had to run this shuttle within a certain time before you can start practice. In Kansas City, we just, you know, after after our vacation, we fly straight into River, uh, I forgot what it's called, in Wisconsin, River, River Falls, Wisconsin. We flew straight to River Falls, Wisconsin, and we're starting camp right away. But with New England, you had to pass this test, this 300 shuttle, in order for you to start practice, because they, their practice is right there at the facilities. Uh, for camp. So if you didn't do that, if you couldn't pass that, that 300 shuttle, you would have to run it every morning before practice until you pass the time before you could start practice. So Vermeil was, yes, he was, he was one of those intense guys, old school. Like I said, you, um, midway through his five year tenure there, um, we were going double pads, uh, both practices. And so, until James Hasty finally said something like, hey, um, you know, we're not supposed to be doing this. Like, this is a part of, uh, I guess, the NCAA, the, the policies that were granted to us. Um, we can take these pads off. Um, and so then they started to wind down on uh, how many practices that we would have in full pads and, and, and so forth. But we didn't have any conditioning drills. We didn't have that. We didn't have to do the, anything after practice or before practice with, with Coach Neal. Oh, wow. Belichick. Yes. You, you have to do a conditioning drill after every practice. Wow. <laughs> and that, is that unusual? It is. It is. And But he's 100% fair to every single guy on the team. Like, so the, the crazy thing that I, I noticed with him is that when Brady messed up, he talked to Brady the same way he talked to anybody else on the team. And Brady respected that. I wasn't used to that. You know, I was used to the, the guys that are bigger names making bigger contracts kind of don't get griped at like that. You know, they get the, you see what you did wrong there, let's try to correct that. And then the rookies or the, the younger guys, they really dig into those guys. Now, Belichick treats everybody the same. That, that was one thing that I respected the heck out of him. That's cool. I mean, and that also probably yeah, instills a little fear in the, and, you know, the, the, the higher profile guys. Oh, yeah. 
So it's one of those, you don't come in here. There's no um, favoritism here. You know, just because you got it over there, it doesn't mean you're going to get it here. Wow. It's, it's a professional organization, and they, they find a guy to fill your spot quickly. Damn. Except for Brady. Yeah, right, right. So, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that, that quarterback situation? Uh, Jared Stidham and uh, Cam? I didn't get to see a whole lot in him, but they believe in him and what he can do. Um, but I think this whole Cam Newton thing was a was a was a trick card that he's been holding for the longest, and just to see how far his value would go down, and that they can get him cheap. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm assuming that Belichick knew something before all this, and but I, I know that they like um, the the I, what's his name? I Stidham. Stenham, I know they like him. The players and coaches all like him. Uh, it's just a matter of what he can do to beat out Cam Newton or what Cam Newton has to do to beat out him. So, uh, but Cam's a proven guy. Um, to me, the dual threat uh, is kind of making a big thing right now. Um, but, heck, every quarterback's doing it now. Uh, there's really not a pocket passer to me, besides Phillip Rivers, he's the only quarterback that I know that's not going to be mobile. Um, other than that, heck, even Tom Brady's making a couple of scrambles. But uh, other than that, a lot of these other quarterbacks have become dual, and uh, and, and that it makes the it opens the offense up a lot more when you can do that. Yeah, and that's something the Patriots have, haven't really haven't been used to. I mean, outside of a couple of scrambles from Brady here and there, so that adds a whole new wrinkle to their offense, what they usually do. Yeah, it does. Over the years, you know, when you were there, especially. Loaf, Brown Waters, and Will Shields. When practicing against those guys, that make you become a better tackler? I'm not going to lie. They used to whip the shit out of us. <laughs> you know, when I was in college, we would do our um, one offense versus one defense almost every day. And we were tops in both categories uh, throughout the country uh, in college. And so, actually, what we saw on offense, what we saw on defense was better than what we saw on Saturdays most of the time. Uh, but when I got to Kansas City and that that little group that was put together in the trenches, uh, yeah, they it was it was hell to get through them and, and it was a battle. Um, but it made our front seven that much better. Uh, and so you wouldn't imagine them being as mean as they are. And Brian Waters who came out as a fullback, I think was one of the yeah one of the strongest and meanest of them all and if you see willie rove to this day and how he walks that's exactly how he walks outside of football but when he puts his hand down on the ground on sundays can't get around him beast and will shills the same way casey weedman uh those guys they they they, they put together a very very formidable unit that um that worked really really well together and priest uh had had his best career right there behind up that 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 freight train. So uh, to go up against those guys, it was fun in practice because um, you didn't really get the the full uh, energy and fear of what they brought to the table. Um, but we 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 like the competition. Yeah, I mean, just seeing those guys, you know, on game day, obviously it's obviously 100% there in practice. I'm sure it was the same case, but just seeing those guys, you got to go get them every day versus once, once, a, once a week, you know. Uh, so that was always something I always wanted to ask about, about those guys. Um, it was fun, though. I'll give you that. It was fun, definitely fun. Now, there were some fights. You know, there was a time to where <clears throat> Priest, a hole was created. 
uh, and Priest just came trampling through. And Greg Wesley met him and just dropped him, full board dropped him. And he kind of stood over him. And the offensive line did not like that. You talking about rumble? Yeah, we, we had some rumbling then. Wow. Uh, but that's what the offensive line does. They protect their their, their units. And, um, um, you know, you can't touch the quarterback at all. You can't – you can barely breathe on him. But to hit the, the, the Priest homes, actually what they call – they call Priest the ticket. The ticket. The ticket. Like, he was our salesman. Like, they came – like, people come to watch him. They don't come to watch you. <laughs> He's the ticket. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you think this is nothing against Trent Green? Uh, this is nothing against the old line that we have now. Because everyone's always talking hypotheticals. Put Mahomes in that on that old line and that team back then, you, you would have hoisted up a, a Lombardi earlier than 20, 2019, 2020? Oh, easy. I mean, offensively, it wasn't <clears> – <throat> that's not our problem right now. With, and with Mahomes, I think with any offensive line, he's going to make them better. He moves – his pocket presence is, is, is amazing. And obviously, we've seen what he, he, he does with his arm. So, um, it's almost like he makes the offensive line better than what they really are because of the way he moves in the pocket. Um, I've, I've given this guy so much praise, and it's like, I, I don't really know what else I can say that, that I haven't said about him. I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of his biggest fans. I enjoy every snap, every, every week uh, of seeing him on the field and, and all the amazing things that he's done and, and continues to do. But it just amazes me how he's stepped in so early. And I don't even think he's fully developed to go out and do the things that he's doing. I'm just in awe. And it's to me, as, as I watched uh, Steph Curry when he first, you know, hit the scene, not when he first got to the NBA, but when he, like, first um, hit the scene with his three-pointers. Um, and it was, like, amazing. Like, how is he just throwing up shots from everywhere? And then he comes out and he makes over 300 one year and he comes right back and he wins a unanimous MVP. And so it's, it's almost the same footing with, with, with Mahomes and what he's doing. It's like um, at a young age, guys, just kind of going from some, doing some phenomenal things. Yeah, and like it's one of those things that it's, you know, evolutionizing the game. You've seen it with, with Curry, how it's changing the way basketball is played. People are coming down the court, shooting threes, ridiculous, half court kind of threes. It's, it's ridiculous, but I mean, it's, it's funny to see and a couple of years ago, we saw Odell's one-handed catch. Kids are trying to catch everything one-handed now. Yeah. Then, when I was growing up, it was like, if you get one hand in the ball, you can get two hands in the ball. And, and now everyone's they're trying to catch with one hand. So it's it's weird how everything's changing. And now no-look passes is becoming a thing for quarterbacks. So it's it's funny how this game just evolves with these with these players. But as time has also shown, not everybody can do that, though. Exactly. Yeah. You need to work on your craft and make sure that you're good at what you can do before you're trying to do these trick things. So, uh, but we've got some gifted athletes. I mean, I, I, these guys seem to be getting bigger, faster, and, and making more tremendous plays than I've, I've seen. So, I'm still a fan and will always be a fan. There was actually uh, yesterday Tyreek Hill posted a video of uh, him racing Terrell Owens. They ran a 40, and they say Tyreek clocked in at a 4.37, and T.O. was only a step or two behind him. That's 46 years old. Well, I, I was very impressed with T.O.'s speed on that. And, and obviously, he's, uh, since he came into the, the league, uh, one thing he's, he's big on is keeping his body uh, in, in great shape. So that was there. And to see him actually be that close to Tyreek Hill uh, when they did the 40, 
Uh, it was very impressive. And I think they said they clocked him at a 4-4. But then they had the, they showed the other race where they had, they ran the 100, and Tariq gave him a, a nine-yard, or I think it's nine or ten-yard yeah. head start. But he didn't catch him. He was gaining ground on him really quick, but he didn't catch him. So uh, very impressed. But uh, the thing with Terrell Owens right now, um, straightaway speed at that age, it looks good. But to be out there on that field on Sunday and to have him to come out in and out of those breaks at 46, those cornerbacks would eat him alive. You know, they, they'd be all over every route. And I'm not trying to make it sound bad for him. It's just that I know that at that age, um, you're not going to come in and out of those cuts. Uh, your body's not going to allow you to, to do it at the quickness that you had before. Um, and that's what is going to give those young guys an advantage because they're, you know, they're quick, they're fast, they're young. Uh, so – uh, if he gets on a team, I'm happy for him. I, I, I will be there to watch him. Uh, I just, my opinion, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and, and you're just talking about the, the kind of the coming out of breaks part of it. Now I'm talking about the, the taking the hits at 46. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> he's, he's going to need longer than a day to recover. <laughs> well, if, if he gets placed on a team like the Chiefs, we, 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 they don't need they don't need him every play. They, they maybe a couple times a game to give the guys a little break. That's true. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, he, he would help put some people in the seats, but I don't think we need that right now. We have we have a new ticket. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's my homes. <laughs> Last year, the late coach Guthrie Cunningham passed away. You you actually had him as a two stints as a D coordinator and a head coach. Do you have any stories? There's also one thing that I remember from the Hard Knocks a couple of years ago that Guthrie hated Family Fun Night. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you ain't getting the Thanksgivings either. Like it. <laughs> it's not one of my favorite things uh, because players, you know, they're signing autographs, looking at the fans, and we needed a good practice. You have any like fun, fun memorable stories about Gunther? I was the only one for some reason that didn't have a cutoff shirt at training camp, and I think it was uh, HBO or Hard Knocks or somebody was out there filming it. And I get, I was the one that got caught. He was yelling at me about who is this young bleep that's out there thinking he can wear this long shirt out here. And he came out there and had somebody cut my shirt right in the middle of practice. Um, so I was kind of blasted for that. But other than that, man, me and Gunther had a great relationship. Um, he was the one that kind of helped me along the way with learning the, the corner position, him and uh, Kurt Schottenheimer. Um, so yeah, we, we, I never had any bump, head bumps with him. So Great individual, great, great defensive coordinator, um, you know, taken away too soon, but he had a tremendous career. Um, so we're going to go into the, the rapid fire question. I, I got a couple questions for you. So first question before we go, the show is called Run the 40. So what was your fastest 40 time? <laughs> I think I was like a 437. Ooh. But legitimately what they had me uh, stat wise, I think it was a 4-4. So I wasn't bad. I wasn't fast guy. Who were the best three QBs you played against? The best three? Best three you played against that kind of gave you the most trouble. Oh, Peyton Manning, um, Phillip Rivers, who else is there? I don't want to say greasy. There's one of those, one of those Broncos guys. <laughs> You wouldn't put a Gannon on that list? Who? Would Richie Gannon be on that list? I wouldn't say that Rich gave us gave me many problems. Um, 
I did, like I said, that was my first pick six was against was against Rich. Uh, love that guy. You talking about a fun guy to be around in practice and, and off the field. Uh, Rich is a great guy. Uh, had a heck of a career. Um, but yeah, he's he. I, I don't know if he's one of the. He's a great one. But as the top three that I struggled against, man, I got it. I know the top two uh, were Philip Rivers and uh, and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning being number one. Uh, those are my top two that I had that I had struggles against, and, and to go with a third, I can't. I don't, I don't know. During your career, you had three pick sixes. Can you name the quarterbacks that you had the pick sixes against? Oh, so we got Rich out of the way. In about a month, third and four from the forty-seven. Gannon out to intercepted, picked off on the play by Eric Warfield, chased by Gannon. He'll go in for six. This is Jake Delone. Yep. On third down, Eric Warfield jumped in front of a DeLome pass and returned it 43 yards for a touchdown. The interception was his second of the day and put the Chiefs in the lead 17-14. Uh, who was that Pittsburgh? Uh, I don't think it was Cordell. It was uh, – was, it wasn't Pittsburgh. I know I had one against Houston. I don't know who that quarterback was, though. Was that a car? David Carr, yeah. It went from bad to worse for the Texans after a David Carr interception was returned 57 yards for a touchdown by Eric Warfield and a 31-7 Kansas City lead. So it was Gannon, DeLoma, Carr in that order. Gotcha. <laughs> That's close. Um, yeah, no, of those three, who would you say was kind of the uh, one that has stood out to you as being like more memorable pick six of the three? Oh, easy with Rich, yeah. <laughs> That's my that's my career highlight. Uh, and that's because uh, Jerry Rice was a, was a childhood idol. Can I talk about that? Oh yeah, and plus you know I was good friends with Rich when he was at Kansas City the, the years before. So just to pick him off, you know, it was something for me to laugh at him about. And uh, and then the whole thing with Jerry Rice. So that that that's pretty much the the bigger picture of it all. To to say that I got to play up against and pick six my idol. That's cool. Not many players can, can say something like that. So that, that's awesome. That's true. We got the three pick six out of the way. So in your time, you picked off six quarterbacks who ended up playing, either winning a Super Bowl or playing in a Super Bowl. Can you name those six quarterbacks? Damn. Drew Brees. Yep. Oh, I don't have one on. Uh, I don't think I have one on Tom Brady. Um. Man, you gave me a hard one there. Uh, so you, you got Breeze. You, you, you said Gannon. Gannon uh, went to the Super Bowl in 02. Yes. Um, you, you mentioned DeLome already. So that those, are, those are three out of the way already. I will say two two of these guys are kind of obscure. Uh, Kerry Collins. Uh, uh, Trent Dilfer. Yep. And, and Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, I got Drew. I got Drew quite a few picks. You have a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you say is the fastest player you've played against? I mean, outside Dante Hall. I mean, I, I think you'd say Dante was the fastest you played, you played with or played against? Oh, no. Randy Moss. Really? Yeah. People don't really realize how fast Randy is until he's, a, you know, a two or three steps ahead of you. But he's deceptive. He looks slow because he glides. But the guy is – he's quick. He's fast. Uh, he's just a, a – a, an unbelievable athlete. Um, but yeah, he's, he's one of those to where if you miss him at the line of scrimmage, it's, 
it's uh, it's goodbye and six in the end zone. Wow. And, and would Dante fall in the top, tops amongst the uh, fastest players of all time that you, you, know, you played with? See, I never had to really guard or cover Dante. And even in practice, uh, he was more of a slot guy. Mm. So um, I think I might have gone against him a time or two. And with my size, I'm able to if, – if I'm going to guard him, I want Dante to beat me at the line of scrimmage because my height – you have to throw a, a superb ball to throw it over my head into his pocket. Uh, so he's going to beat you with the short under route. So that was my thing. Just let him beat you at the line of scrimmage and undercut anything on him because mm. he's not going to beat me on a deep route. Um, now, put him on the outside, I think it's the same thing for me because uh, – just my height alone is going to uh, be too much for him. Uh, hell of an athlete, though. Hell of a, you know, receiver. Hell of a return guy. Uh, just a great guy overall. Uh, but as far as the, the, the quickness and fast, being all that, uh, I wouldn't say he's the fastest I've gone up against. Uh, sure, who was it? Um, Daryl Jackson was a, was another one of those guys that was really fast. He played at Seattle. Um uh, Doc, I think his name. Brandon Marshall when he came into the Broncos. Um, who else? Jimmy Smith was, for his age, going up against him and uh, Keenan McCarter. Jimmy was very fast. Um, uh, what's the Jet name? I, he played for the Raiders. James Jet? Uh, the receiver Jet? I can't. Is that James, his name? James Jet. Yeah. Yes. He was, he was an Olympic, Olympic sprinter, I believe. Um, Terrell Owens was another one that was fast, but at, he did, I think Terrell maybe had one catch on me. Uh, Terry Glenn was really fast. Jeez, mm. um, who else? Marvin Harrison. Marvin was really quick. Um, I, there's not a lot of other guys that are just speed to where it's like it's just going to scare you. But Moss is by far and away the fastest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easy. Wow. It's one of those things you, you actually like, you know, just because you have long strides, you don't see it as, as, as being – it doesn't look fast, but, I mean, it's fast. <laughs> I mean, you watch his highlights, and you're like, he's just – he's barely running, but he's also two, three steps ahead of everybody. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Many people may not know this, but you and I actually met on Twitter. Not talking football. It was through boxing, and we both found that we were both – Big Terrence Crawford fans. Um, Big fan. Now, who do you hope that he gets the ring with next? I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, talk that you know Pacquiao might might get with each other. I mean, that'd be that'd be fun to see. But I mean, Pacquiao's the end of his career. I mean, well, who do you want to see? Ideally, who do you want to see him in the ring? So with next? for me, my what my eyes want to see um, before his car wreck, before he was out, uh, and I don't even know if he's going to be able to come back. Um, Errol Spence. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Errol, Errol was at the top of his game and running through guys, and uh, I think they're both in the same class. And I've hung out with Errol here a couple of times, and we've had conversations, and he seems to think that the Crawford party is ducking him, but and that he needs to get a new, a few more fights. Um, but I, I, to me, that would have been the better fight. I don't even know who else is out there uh, that can, that's in his weight class that he can, that can contend with him. Mm -hmm. um, I think Lomachenko's a little smaller, right? 
Yeah, Crawford would have to, would have to lose a lot. They would have to meet in the middle. Lomachenko would have to come up a weight class, and Crawford would have to go down a weight class. But I know Lomachenko is what, top top two, top three? Yeah. Well, Crawford and him, yeah, they're, they're, they're top seven pound for pound best fighter right now. So. Yeah, so that that that's great, but you don't have now the the guy that generates the money like the Mayweather because we don't have those flashy guys, the guys that, that people want to see either win or get knocked out. And I think that's the thing with, with Floyd is that he talks so much trash, a lot of people want to see him get knocked out mm-hmm. or they want to see if he can back up what he's saying. So that's how he drew so many viewers and so much money. And the, and the guys nowadays, they, they don't have that, that kind of charisma to – to, to bring out those viewers, but uh, but as far as the boxer, Terrence is a bad man. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he, um, but like as far as like boxing coming back again, I mean, we're seeing the heavyweight class kind of get people talking again and getting talking about boxing again. Which, as a boxing fan, for me, that's huge. I mean, heavyweight boxing is going to get the people who just are casual fans. They'll come back and they see heavyweight heavyweights fighting again. And I think that's boxing needs to kind of the heavyweights to continue. Doing the thing with Tyson Fury being that, um, I guess that chippy guy, you know, that, that loudmouth. True, and then that was another big fight. And those those two guys, they did they did a great job of pubbing it up, and uh, I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed watching Wilder lose. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm just because you're American or just because you're African American doesn't mean that uh, I'm sitting there uh, hoping you win. I, I just like to go. For, I go for the underdogs a lot of times. And uh, I never really got to watch Wilder fight that much. Um, so I, I was really going for the underdog just because I knew he had uh, won the last fight. So I was hoping that he would would, lo- would lose this one and then the, the next one would come as a uh, – be their third fight, right? Mm, yeah, third one. Uh, I just wasn't expecting him to get pummeled the way he did because yeah. Furry kind of gave it to him from the start. That, that the first fight, they was it was kind of uh, it was kind of fury the entire fight, and then but uh, Wilder had that laid it on him. I think he was waiting for that one shot. He, I mean, that's kind of his game plan. He's waiting yeah. for that knockout. Um, yeah. But no, I, I I hope we do see Crawford in the rings uh, sometime soon. I don't, I don't care who it is. I I just, I just love watching the guy fight. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, right now, who do you think he's gonna fight though? Like who who is who's on a card right now that's worth the time and the money? worth the time i mean for as far as like a historical would be probably be pac-man probably Pac, yeah. yeah i mean but i don't think it would be a good fight i mean it'd be cool to say yo crawford beat pacquiao as far yeah. as like, the historical aspect of it but like competitive i don't know i don't know who it is i mean i've been reading a lot of guys are the way you said that crawford's ducking ducking him it's more so that people are ducking crawford no one, want, no one wants to fight him all right, last question for me, man. Do you have any advice for players that are reporting to camp during these unprecedented times? It's so as far as like the way I live my life and what I do when I go play golf. I know we don't have the contact that you're going to have on the field with these guys. Uh, I just try to take care of myself, make sure I'm protected, and I wear a mask half half the time. I'm, I'm playing golf, depending on the heat. I make sure that I, I have my hand, a little spray hand sanitizer, and I try to um, keep my distance with the guys. But then again, it's just like there's no way you can do this with football. So it's either one of those, you either want it or you don't. You know, you believe it or you don't. And for me, if given the opportunity, I'm going in. I, I, that's how much I love the sport. Um, and I'm going to play like there is no – 
pandemic or no virus out there. Now, leave it up to the man of above to protect me at all at all costs. And if I just so happens to come down with it, again, protect me at all costs. But for me, if the question was asked, I'm going in and not worried about um, the virus, but I would play it safe to the point to where um, taking advantage of the tests that are given and taking advantage of the, the, the resources as far as uh, the sanitizers, the, the soaps and the stuff to keep myself clean uh, for myself and for others. Awesome, man. Uh, I, I, I always put, whoever watches, I hope they, they take that advice and, you know, from, um, from, 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 to me, from, a, from a legend like you. So that's, that's the way I see it. Um, I, I want to say, I appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, it was lovely to have you. Like, like I said, one of my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time. So um, it was, it was. Well, well I'll, if, I'll shoot you the address. If you want to send it to me, I'll sign it. And uh, you got my number. Hit me up anytime. Awesome, man. And I hope to have you back because uh, I, I plan on doing this during throughout the season. I hope to have you back on to kind of talk to, talk uh, some shop uh, during the season. I'm with it. Let me know. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Marcus. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.